We've been in this series uh, early in the year. We were talking about the Apostles' Creed and how the Apostles' Creed, it talked about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Spent a lot of time on the Holy Spirit. Now we're talking about the Catholic Church or the Universal Church. That's the church, uh, uh, you know, uh, Catholic actually just means universal, the universal church. God died for his church. His church is very important to God. It should be very important to you. The church should be important to you. It's important to God. Today, the sermon is your key to success. How many wants to be a success in life? I don't think anybody wants to be a failure, uh, but if we're not careful, sometimes we can be failures. I had this on. I think I just turned it off, so there we go. But your keys to success. I, I, I wanted to call this how to open the door uh, to God's blessings, how to open the door. And I was thinking, you know, if I put that on the sign out there, open the door or opening the door, it probably wouldn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. So I, I said, well, I'll try to phrase it in a way that you think of it a different way. It still means success, the keys to success or the keys to opening doors. Uh, we, we're going to talk about how there is a specific time that God wants to use you and he wants to use me. There is a uh, time clock on your ministry, on your calling, on your servanthood. There's a time that God wants to use you and it can pass you by, that you, that you refuse to do what God wants you to do. It's very important that you obey God when God uh, knocks on your heart, calls on you. It's very, very important. It means the difference between the favor of God or the uh, curses of God. Uh, God told his uh, children in the Old Testament, he said, what lies before you, there's blessings or there's curses. You choose which one you want. You want the blessings of God or you want the curses. You choose. And so I believe that we're at a very critical, pivotal point in history where at this very moment, some have that very situation, that very thing. We either have to choose uh, blessings or cursing, blessings or curses. It's that critical in our, in our life. And uh, so as we look a little further here, doors open when we are what? I'm, I'm fixing to read the, the book of Acts there. Doors open when we're prayerful. That's what we're learning in the book of Acts. As you're reading, I hope that you're reading the book of Acts every day. If you're reading the book of Acts, the book of Acts is talking to you. The Spirit of God will talk to you in the book of Acts. We're finding out in the book of Acts that as they would pray, the Holy Spirit would speak to them. We uh, had times that we said when they were praying, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. Sometimes they would be in the Word and the Holy Spirit would speak to them. Uh, and so there was a living God and the Holy Spirit was speaking to his church. We find there was a lot of places where angels ministered in the New Testament. Angels. How many believe in angels? They're all in the book of Acts. Angels would go and God would minister in a very powerful way because of angels. And so we find that. So doors are open when we're prayerful, if, if we want doors, what, is I, what do I mean by open door? Well, you know, we think about open doors. It's like you may be looking for the right job. You're looking for a job and you're praying and you're seeking God and God can open a door for you to get a job. God can open a way. Like I was 
in Fort Myers, Florida, and I was praying, you know, I was at this little church and I was praying to get to go to college and God opened a door and I got my college paid for and I got to go. Uh, there was, I was in Knoxville and I told you last week my story about being at this church and, and I was saying, God, you know, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I'm just praying, God, if you can use me, use me. I'll be obedient to you. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. God opened a door. First, he gave me a vision and I wrote it down. And then a minister, I went to this church and this minister gave this. He told me the vision that I'd been given from God. Second confirmation. Then the third thing to go ministry in this, in this organization, I had to have somebody call me and ask me. And I had somebody call and ask me, said, I want you to come and I want you to work for me. So I had three. The Bible normally says that things are confirmed in the presence of two or three witnesses. And so, you know, it's not like you're just guessing. God opens up, God opens up the door. God, and God can open doors for you. A lot of times when we've been hurt, when we've been hurt badly, we sometimes close the door. And uh, if, if, we, if that's the case, a lot of time when we close the door, uh, we don't want to open any more doors. So he says, I'm never getting married again, or I'm never, be careful what you say you're never going to do, because you probably, probably are going to have to go back down there. Or I'll never work for that person again, or I'll never do this, or I'll never do that. A lot of times you're going to find that you're going down that road, but to open the door, we find in the book of, of Acts that prayer sometimes opened the door. They would pray and God would open a way, a door where there seemed not to be a way. And so he tells us to ask and keep on asking. Don't get tired, just ask and keep on asking. That's the way he said pray. We found out last week that Daniel prayed and God said, I answered your prayer the first day you prayed. So we do have a prayer answering God, but God sent the, ans the answer and the prince of Persia stopped the prayer from getting through. He stopped, the, and who was the prince of Persia? We found out that was the, the devil. If you don't believe there's a devil, you haven't read the Bible a whole lot because there are demonic powers, there's devils in the Bible and they hate your guts, they despise you, they want to destroy you. And so there's these prince of the power of the air, the devil. And so God said, from the first day you prayed, Daniel, I answered your prayer, but it, it, it was held up in, the, in this heavenly realm, the, the prince of the power of the air. He's here and he hinders our prayer. And so it was 21 days, Daniel was fasting and praying. And on the 21st day, the answer come, God sent a, the, God sent a warring angel. He sent Gabriel and Gabriel uh, put the prince and the power of the air in his place and the answer to God's prayer comes. So what, if, what would have happened if, if Daniel would have quit praying? What would have happened if God's people would have quit praying? The answer was on its way, but it had been held up. And so I'd done the little illustration last week about sometimes we prayed and I had a balloon and it just fell on the floor. Sometimes we pray and we feel like our prayers are getting nowhere. It's getting nowhere and we're getting no answer and it's just not working. And then sometimes we pray and it just feels like the prayer just ascends to God and we feel like, oh my God, God's just answering prayer left and right. Well, not only does the Bible talk about open doors, it talks about windows or open heaven. Some, uh, in my Pentecostal background, we used to say, 
you know, God opened a door. Why? Because there's a bunch of passages in the scripture where God opened a door. Sometimes we'd say, God, open up the windows of heaven. He talks about if you do certain things as far as giving and tithing, he would open up the windows of heaven and he would pour out a blessing that you would not be able to receive. I don't know whether we believe that or not, but God says it. God says, if you do this, I'll do that. You open the window to God's blessing. You open the windows to God's success. All right, there's ways that when you pray and how you pray, open the windows of heaven. Sometimes they said the heavens are like brass. It means your prayer not getting anywhere. It's just bouncing off the ceiling, you might say. A lot of times it's the condition of our heart. Our heart's not right. Many times it's we haven't obeyed God. Sometimes we pray and, and we've got an odd against a brother and we've, we're bitter and we're hateful and God says, you need to go make that right and then bring your altar back and I'll answer your prayer. I'll receive your, your, your prayer. So we realize that first God answers prayer and God uh, opens doors and God opens the heavens, but sometimes the reason it could be demonic is the reason our prayers don't get through. Sometimes it could be us. And we have to, uh, and sometimes it could be God doesn't say no. He says, not right now. I believe God always answers your prayer. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's not right now. You're not ready for it. And so the second thing, the doors will open when we're obedient, obedient. I can't tell you how important it is to be obedient, to read this word and whatever it says, do it. I can't believe how many people just want to argue with God's word now today. Well, I don't believe that. Well, who, who, who died and left you God? If God's word said it, some people say, well, if God said it, I believe it and that settles it. No, 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 no. God said it, that settles it whether you believe it or not. All it settles for you, if you believe it, you can be blessed. If you don't believe it, you're gonna be cursed. God told the, the children of Israel in the Old Testament, he said, what lies before you are blessings or curses. You get to choose. You want the blessings or you want the cursing. And so, Obedience, seek and keep on seeking. Seek God, seek to obey him. Seek to find out what his will is. Do his will when you want to, when you don't want to, do his will. That's hard to do sometimes. That's hard to do sometimes. The next thing is, the doors will open, but sometimes we have to be persistent in our knocking. He tells in a prayer, he said, he said, knock, he said, uh, he said, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. He said, if you keep on knocking, finally somebody will get up and open the door. Knock and keep on knocking. And he said, the door will open to you. So persistent prayer. Daniel prayed and fasted 21 days. Persistent prayer. And, and Jesus said, knowing that there isn't a devil, an enemy, he said, some things, some open doors, some answered prayers only come about by fasting and prayer. And you're, you're not going to give the answer any other way. And so we find this be persistent. And then he tells us in Galatians, Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. There again, be persistent. Don't give up. You're going to get a harvest. But you know, for every harvest, there's certain times. There's a plowing under and there is a waiting period and there is, 
There is getting the soil ready and breaking up the fowler ground or the hard, hardness of the ground and preparing the soil. A lot of times that takes a long time for our heart to get prepared to receive God's seed, his word. And so, but if, we, if we'll let God take us through the, this breaking up time, this eventually God will speak to us and God will put that seed in our heart and we will grow and we'll have growth in the Lord. And uh, believe what God says about us, whether it be the, the written word, the Logos word or the Rhema word, God can speak to us through this word and say, this is gonna happen to you. And you gotta believe and hold on to that promise that God has given you. The other thing is, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Don't put God last place in your life, put him first. You put him first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Matthew 6 and 33. So as I was studying this, this is what I feel like the Lord told me and shared with me about these passages. One thing is there is no door that God cannot open. If God wants something to happen, nobody, no people can stop it. Amen. No, nothing. And so kind of the reverse of that, there is no door Satan can shut that God if God wants it open. And what we're learning here in this book is that God Almighty is in control. God is in control. I am amazed at how the Holy Spirit would tell somebody something, reveal something to somebody, and be working in two or three places at one time. I guess I shouldn't be amazed, but going back over the book of Acts, like Peter getting a vision that he's supposed to quit rejecting the Gentiles. And he's getting this vision, he said, not so, Lord. I've told you many times that you can't say Lord and not so because not so and Lord don't work together. If he's Lord, it's always yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, what's next? Yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. Yes, Lord. Whatever you want, Lord. Whatever you want, Master. Here I am, I'm at your disposal. God, use me. Don't refuse me. That's the only response that we can have to God is yes, Lord. If we tell God no, he's not Lord anymore. He said, why well, call yourself my disciples and you do not do what I've asked you to do. He said, if you don't keep my commandments, you're not my disciples. He said, as many are led by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. Not those that heard of the Holy Spirit, read about the Holy Spirit, but those that are led by the Holy Spirit, those are the sons and daughters of God. They're the, they're the children of God. And so then I was looking back and I said, well, if I, I preach right through the book of uh, chapter 13, it would be kind of boring because it's a lot of places that Paul went and so what I wanted to do, rather than and give you a, a lesson on Paul's first missionary journey and all the different places he traveled, I want to tell you what I feel like God was saying and doing in that period of time and how sovereign it was. In Acts, the 13th chapter, and I may or may not pronounce every one of these words perfectly, but it's all right. Chapter 13, Mark, now in the church at Antioch, there were the prophets and teachers. There was Barnabas and Simeon called Niger, Lucia of Cyrene, Mania, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. 
Saul and why they were worshiping. All right, how do you get a word from God? How do you get God to speak to you? How do you get God to give you direction in life? It's worship. We've allowed the worship in the church to get way too casual and a take it or leave it format. If you want to hear from God, you need to get somewhere in the morning and worship God. God speaks to us in worship. He speaks to us in worship. And the Lord, he said, and they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. God said, some things only come by fasting and prayer. And they were, they were worshiping and they were fasting and the Holy Spirit said, you go, well, I've never had the Holy Spirit said. Well, have you tried a long period of time of worship and fasting and prayer? I've found so many times in my life when I get hungry enough to fast and pray and worship, God always says. So what did God say? God said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So up until this time, the ministry is all about Peter and John. Peter and John, Peter and John, Peter and John. Peter, one of his first miracles that he experienced was God give him, Peter said, Lord, if that's you, let me come walking on the water. And God let him walk on the water. Seemed like after that, Peter had this certain kind of experience, this experience in his life that God would use something about walking to deal with Peter. Peter walked on water. Peter sees a guy that can't walk. Peter says, rise up and walk. Peter sees another guy that can't walk. Rise up and walk. It seemed like his miracles had something to do with walking, whether it be in walking physically with the Lord or walking spiritually with the Lord, following the Lord, being obedient to the Lord. Uh, and you start seeing Peter's miracles. Well, the church received the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the mighty anointing of God. People were being saved. They were being added to the church daily. Not everybody. Some were rejecting this move of God. A lot of the ones that were rejecting this move of God was the religious people. You know, if you were looking at parties, they were the right party. They were supposed to be in the right. They were God's chosen party. They were God's chosen people. I told somebody today this is gonna be a difficult sermon because it's so relevant to what's going on right now in our society. And some of you today may not even like what I've got to say. But one thing I've learned a long time ago, I'm gonna be obedient to God and say what he tells me to say. And I love you and I love each one of you, but uh, God did have a chosen people. They were called Israel. They were got the Jews. But the chosen people got where they wouldn't do what God told them to do. God would tell them something and they'd say, not so, Lord. That's not the way it's gonna be. And so eventually they got so stiff-necked, hard-hearted, disobedient, God couldn't get them to do a blessed thing. And so you can be in the right party and still not have the favor of God, not have the anointing of God, not have the grace of God. Well, I'm God's chosen. Well, you might have the title, you just don't have the works. You don't have the works, it ain't happening for you. And so we see this happening that they, they were not following God. 
And so God had Peter and John and Peter, we know that Peter got put in jail. They'd killed Stephen, they'd killed James. Peter was in jail. And when I told you last week, Peter's miracle was not Peter's miracle, it was the church's miracle. The church prayed for Peter to get out of jail. Well, Peter wasn't worried about it. Peter was fast asleep. He was sleeping even though the next day the church thought he was gonna be killed because that's what they said. They're not gonna kill him on a religious day. They're gonna wait till the next day and then kill him. Peter wasn't worried because God had given him a word and God's word was, Peter, you're gonna live to be an old man and you're gonna be gray-headed before you ever die. But when you die, you're gonna die on a cross. Tell me that God's not sovereign. Peter sees this vision from heaven. While Peter was having this vision from heaven, God had already dispatched some people to come to Peter. And Peter was still kind of confused about the vision about ministering to the Gentiles and that the door was opening to the Gentiles. And so Peter said, Peter, you need to get down there. There's some people at your door. I've sent them to you. God had already sent people to him and he was gonna go with the people that God sent with him what about in, in Acts 9 where Paul is on the road to Damascus and he gets knocked off of his high horse. He thought he was right. He was a religious man. He was in the right party. He was a Jew of the Jews. But he was wrong. He was wrong. God knocked him off the horse and said, Paul, he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And what did Saul say? Who art thou, Lord? Here was a religious guy. didn't even know who the Lord was. I'm convinced there's a lot of people in churches today that don't know the Lord. They don't obey the Lord. They don't know the Lord. They don't serve the Lord. They've been fooled into believing that they're a child of God and they have no characteristics of God. It's dangerous. It really is dangerous. Because my children obey me. My children keep my commands. My children, they do what they hear and see. They, they follow me. They're my disciples. And so Peter, uh, Saul, uh, he, he, he gets blinded. He gets blinded. And so what we find in Acts 9 is he, he's blinded and God tells Ananias, he said, I want you to go to a street called Straight and you'll find a guy there named Saul. And uh, he goes, wait a minute, God, this guy Saul, he's killing Christians left and right. I don't have anything to do with it. But he said, it's brother Saul to you from now on. I've changed his heart, it's brother Saul. And you need to go down there because I'm doing a work in him. I've chosen him, I've chosen him to do great and mighty things. I've chosen him to suffer many things for my namesake. What is that for the sovereignty of God? God didn't particularly ask Saul, he told Saul, this is what you're gonna do. And so Saul is struck blind and Ananias comes to him and he prays for him, brother Saul, and he prays for him and he's given his eyesight back. All right, I want you to see something. There's something taking place in the book of Acts you need to get, that I need to get. God first comes to us with gifts. God first comes to us with wisdom. God first comes to us with goodness and miracles and blessings. But if we are not moved by the blessings and the spirit and the anointing and the giftedness of these things, there's only one thing left to do for a loving God to do is send the curses. You say, well, I would never do that. You do it all the time with your children. Don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. If you do that, I'm gonna spank you. 
Not because you're a mean parent, but because you're a loving parent, you're a caring parent. God said you would be like a bastard child if God did not discipline you. That's what he said. And so we find this in the Bible. So God sent the Holy Spirit and God sent miracles and God poured out his spirit and God proved that Jesus was raised from the dead, but the Jewish people wasn't buying it. So God said, okay. Peter, pretty much your ministry spent here. You obeyed me. You done what I told you to do. You can move off the scene now. You don't hear anything else about Peter and John. They kind of go their own way. Later on, they write some books. But now God says, from this point on in the book that Luke is telling me, you hear about now Paul. They, they get mixed up. Sometimes they call him Saul. Sometimes they call him Paul. Saul, I mean Paul. This guy, Saul, Paul. Paul, he was Saul. This guy, Paul, him and Barnabas is now the guy's. And God was going to use Paul to take the gospel to the Gentiles. But the gospel was supposed to go to the Jews, but the Jews rejected him. It's a dangerous thing to reject a loving God. You go, well, I'm one of God's, you might have been God's chosen, but you wouldn't follow him. You wouldn't listen to him. You wouldn't hear his voice. You could have been his, but you chose not to be. Success and failure really is in your hand. It's up to you. You want to follow God and get the favor of God or you want to go your own way. And so we find then in this story that they, God told by the Holy Spirit that Paul and Barnabas were supposed to minister together. It's amazing how God put people in teams. Paul and Barnabas, you had, you had uh, Peter and John. Now you got Paul and Barnabas. Now, Paul is not as sweet and loving as Peter and John was. Now that these people had rejected the goodness of God, now they're going to get a different side of God. Peter's first miracle, he preached and the Holy Spirit was poured out. The, the, the uh, crippled man was healed. What will Paul's first miracle be. Paul's first miracle is going to be a lot like what happened to him. Paul was struck blind because he was disobedient to the Lord. He was disobedient. He, God couldn't get through to his hard skull to wake up. He wanted to believe a certain way and he meant that he's going to believe that way. And so he was struck blind. So here is Paul coming along and we'll find that Paul uses that same tactic we find that, that somebody else is traveling along with uh, Paul. We find this later on in, in um, the fifth verse. John Mark was with them, their helper. It's funny how a lot of times your ministry for God, you start out as a helper if you want to follow God. Some people, want to, they want to start off at the top. God says, I want you to start off at the bottom. I want you to be willing to do whatever for me. If you're not willing to do whatever, then you're not, you're not going to be used to me. And so John Mark was just a helper. Wasn't even a very good one at that. But later on, John Mark became a great disciple. And he wrote one of the books of the New Testament. And so sometimes we found that Stephen 
And we find that Stephen waited on tables. He waited on tables and took care of widows and then God used him in a very powerful way in the church. Most ministries start off very humble and God's trying to find out, are you willing to do whatever for me? Or how, how obedient will you be to me even when times are tough? And so we find this, that God, and so we find later on in the sixth chapter and the seventh chapter that they meet this false prophet and he's a sorcerer. He's doing his so-called miraculous work through the demonic, he's a sorcerer. And his name meant that he was an assaulter, uh, Elamus, and he's the assaulter, for that's what his name meant. And then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elamus, Elamus and said, you are a child of the devil, an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. It's amazing that God's gonna use Paul and he's gonna dish out the same thing that Saul got. I'm telling you, if you don't accept the blessings of the Lord, you'll be forced to take the cursing of the Lord. You got a choice. You got a choice. And right there was a choice. Why you keep perverting the word of God? You're fixing to be struck blind. Immediately it happened to him. He was blind. I want to go on over. I don't have time to go and read two chapters today, but over to the 16th verse. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, fellow Israelites and you Gentiles, See, he, with respect, he calls the Israelites first because the gospel was first supposed to go to the Jews. Then he said, and you Gentiles who worship God and listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose an ancestors, uh, chose, they're chose as the ancestors. He made the people prosper. Now, when did God make the children of Israel prosper? He made them prosper at one of the most difficult times in society to ever prosper. They prospered while they were in Egypt's bondage. With the mighty power, he led them out of that country for uh, they had been there about 440 years. He endured their, after he led them out, he endured their uh, complaining and griping the conduct in the wilderness for 40 years. He overthrew seven nations. God overthrew seven nations in behalf of Israel, giving their land to the people of their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And at 430 years of that, they were in Egypt's bondage. I'm fixing to tell you an interesting story about when they were in Egypt's bondage and I want you to see how demonic the land had become while God's people were not obeying God and they were in Egypt's bondage. After God gave, after, after this, God gave them judges. I was saying, well, God, I can't read this because you know what's in the newspaper today. We just got a new judge and people's gonna think I'm, you know, telling somebody to pick a party and, he said, after this, who, who gave the judge? God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. 
Then the people, they wanted a king. God gave them a king, gave them Saul, the son of Kish of the tribe of Benjamin, and he ruled for 40 years. That was not God's perfect will. That was God's submissive will. They wanted a king. God gave them a king. There's been a lot of times in our society when we ask for our way, God, I want my way. I want to marry who I want to marry. I want to take the job I want to take. I want to do my family the way I want to do it. And I want to go the way I want to go. And then we wonder why things go so sour. We're not hearing the voice of God. We're not following God. We're not obeying God. People didn't want what they wanted. They wanted a king and they got a king and then they didn't want a king. And so the good Lord, the merciful God, he removed Saul and made David their king. That David was God's king. Saul was their king. How many of you went through sections of your life where you had your will and then there's some times in your life you had his will? How many will testify that his will is better than your will? Amen. Amen. That's what we learn. So David was the king and God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Seems like to me that God is looking for people that will obey him, that he can favor, that he can do work for when God's people were led in Egypt's bondage, God blessed them as slaves. After 430 years, they come out filthy rich. We're serving a God, if he so desires, he can prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Your enemies. Are you getting the picture that God may be in control and God may be sovereign? From this man's descendants, God has brought to you Israel, the Savior Jesus, as he promised. Now, Paul's telling these Jewish people, he said, this Jesus that Peter talked about and this Jesus that you read about every Sabbath, that Jesus was the Jesus that God talked about in the Old Testament that you read about every Sunday and you never even gave him the time of day. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel and John was completing his work. He said, who do you suppose I am? I am not the one you are looking for, but there is one coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles. See, the Gentiles were God-fearing and some of the Jews wasn't. The children of Abraham, they had a title, they had a party, they didn't have no favor. God-fearing Gentiles, it is us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for his death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When then they carried out all that was written about him. They took him down from the cross and laid him in the tomb. All right, Jesus went through three kangaroo courts, three, three kangaroo courts, and in all of those courts, they could find nothing wrong with him. 
Finally, they got a guy, well, we got to get rid of this guy. We got to get rid of this guy. So what they did, they said, let's just do this. Let's find the most awful, despicable piece of trash in society. And we'll just ask the people, do you want Barabbas, which was a lawbreaker, was a thief, was a, a murderous person? You want Barabbas or Jesus to be set free? They said, give us Barabbas. And Jesus went to the cross. We're living in a society today that will look the truth square in the eyes and say, give me the devil, but don't give me Jesus. Give me evil, but don't give me Jesus. I don't want Jesus. I don't want Jesus ruling over me. I don't want to talk about Jesus. I don't want anybody that follows Jesus. This society hates Jesus. If they have a choice, they'll always pick the devil over Jesus. I'm just telling you. And so what happened? They, 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 they put him on the cross. They killed him, an innocent man. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days, he was seen by those who had traveled with him in Galilee and Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses of these people. And Paul said, now I'm getting to the good news. The good news is what God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children by raising up Jesus as it is written in Psalms writing. You know, the Psalms you read every week, this is fulfilled. You don't realize it now, but it is fulfilled. You are my son. Today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay, as God said. The Jews thought this guy was David. They've got the star of David, the crown of David, the flag of David, all this, the, you know, the city of David. But it wasn't talking about David. It was talking about someone that would come from David's lineage, which was Jesus Christ, the son of Jesse. And so he said, he said, but this one, when the real one comes, his body will never decay. And so here's what Paul says. I will give you the holy and sure blessing promised to David. So it is also stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. That's Psalm 16 and 10. Now, when David had served God's purpose, see, we all have a time. We all got a purpose. We got a certain time. We're supposed to do something for God. If we don't do it, we miss out. David had served God's purpose in his own generation. He fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body did decay. So no, no matter how righteous and wonderful you think King David was, King David is not the king. He's not coming back to some throne. His body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Talking about Jesus. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said that does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. God is telling them that God is doing a new thing and they don't even get it. Now, I want to say something today, and I, I, I'm just taking it for granted. I'm going to make some people mad today, but I don't think God sanctions a party. The so-called Puritans and the pilgrims that came here done some of the most disgusting things under the name of God that you can ever speak of. 
One of the ones, they give man an undue authority over women that they should have never had. You ever heard of the rule of thumb? You know what the rule of thumb meant? They said that a man could take his wife out and beat her with a, a rod or a stick as long as it wasn't bigger than his thumb. How many thinks that's right? Uh, don't raise your hand in front of your spouse here today <laughs> if you want to get out alive. Now these were the Puritans. These were the godly men that thought they were righteous. They were the head of the house. A lot of abuse of women came about during some very religious men's time period in history. Like it or don't like it. And I could see where women could get sick and tired of men. I'm not gonna have no man rule over me no more. But you gotta realize there is an enemy to our soul that's setting people up for destruction. There's a lot of times in our history where good men on both sides, it's funny that, you know, you go down, I wanna buy a battery, but I just want it to have two positives. I don't want it to have a positive and negative. Well, it ain't gonna crank nothing. It ain't gonna get nothing started. For some reason, God, God allows a, one party to kind of be the positive party and one party be kind of the negative party. And sometimes the negative party sharpens the positive party. Sometimes the positive party sharpens the negative party. Why God allows that, I don't know. Because he's always got another party because one party, I don't care if they're in the lead right now, they're gonna mess up sooner or later and God's got another where he's working on. So I'm not talking about politics. And yet again, I kind of am. God does not sanction a certain party. You go, well, one party's doing more of what God says than the other one. Well, just give them some time. They'll mess up your expectations of them really quick. In his book, Jesus, I Never Knew, Philip Yancey writes, Richard Nixon got carried away with excitement in 1969 when Apollo astronauts first landed on the moon. His, in, it's the greatest day since creation, he said. This is the greatest, that we landed a man on the moon. That's the greatest day since creation. Billy Graham was fast to get on the radio and tell this country it is nowhere near the greatest day in this country. Billy Graham said, have you, have you forgot Christmas? Have you forgot Easter? The greatest day that there's ever been in creation is when Jesus came and was born of a virgin mother and died on a cross Easter to take the sins of the world away. And you know who was right? Nixon was wrong and Billy Graham was right. He was right. And so the thing is, God is so far ahead of us we don't even know where he's headed most of the time. I want to give you another example. In Genesis writing, the 12th chapter, and the, the very beginning, when Adam, when Eve sinned, Adam and Eve sinned, God said, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to one day fix this. I'm going to take the seed of a woman. Well, you know, the man has the seed, the woman don't. But God said, one day there's going to be the seed of the woman, and from the seed of woman, there's going to be a birth take place, and from this birth, he is going to bruise Satan's head with his heel. 
So the devil, not knowing everything, he's not all knowing, he started looking for the he that might one day be born that was gonna kill or bruise his head or kill him and put him in his place. And so some of the most awful thing happened after that because the devil was looking for the he that needed to be killed that might take him out. And so we find that Genesis 12, we know that God worked through Abraham. And we find in, in uh, this, the 13th chapter, the 12th verse, when the sun went down, Abraham fell asleep. Now God's fixing to show Abraham something that's gonna happen way out in the future. God's so far ahead of all this junk that we're dealing with today. The sun went down and Abraham fell asleep. Then a great terror overwhelmed him. Verse 13, then the country. They will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. God is telling Abraham that Abraham was, you know, Father Abraham, he was blessed of God. And he said, Abraham, I gotta tell you something. Uh, yeah, the, these people are gonna be put in bondage for over 400 years. That, that must have puzzled Abraham. He said, but I will execute judgment upon this country. You either take the blessings of God or you get the curses of God. And he said, he said, Lord Abraham, know for certain that your descendants will be uh, strangers in a foreign country. Then he tells them, your descendants are gonna be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years, which we find out just a little bit over 400 years. Verse 14, but I will execute judgment on the nation and they will serve. In other words, they're gonna be slaves in a foreign land and it's actually gonna be the will of God. Afterward, afterward, I love because Paul said, but then God, but God. And, and this vision, God says, afterward, they will come out with many possessions. I'm gonna tell you something. Some of you are going through some very difficult times in your life. If you respond to God in the right way, you're gonna come out smelling like a rose. You're gonna come out all right. You're gonna come out the head, not the tail. You're gonna come out victorious. But you gotta have the right heart. You gotta be obedient to God when even you don't feel like it. And he said, as far as you, Abraham, but as for you, you will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. He was promising Abraham he'd live to be a long uh, old man. He had obeyed God greatly and favorably. In the fourth generation, your descendants will return here for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached the limit. There are nations, these are nations that are, are, are torturing. There's are nations that are coming against God's children. It's demonic led. And he said, the limit has not been reached yet. Folks, we're living in a day when the limits are about to be reached with sin. If not, God's gonna to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. The limits are about, God said that if man keeps going down this road, it keeps going down this road. He said there'll be lovers of money. How many people today sell their soul for a dollar, sell their soul for money? There'll be lovers of money. There'll be lovers of their own self. There'll be, men will be lovers of men and women will be lovers of women. And he said, I'll do everything in my power to, to bring them back, bring them around. But he said, some will be turned over to a reprobate mind 
In other words, they reach their limit. God's spirit will not always dwell. It will not always strive with man. It's reached their limit. He's turned them over to reprobateness. They're opposing God. They're opposing the work of God. We find out in Genesis 13 and 2, right before God led the children of Israel out, he told them to go and, and borrow stuff from all their neighbors, gold and silver and all these things. When children of Israel went out of Egypt's bondage, they went out wealthy, filthy rich. They took from their Egyptians. The Egyptian, if you study the demonic rule of Pharaohs, the Pharaohs, the Pharaohs, their goal was to work every single man to death. They wanted the men to die. They wanted to kill the men. Work them to death. Their secret motive was is to get rid of all the men and they were going to make a harem out of all the women. They were going to put all the women and turn them into sex slaves. Go back and read it for yourself. That was the gold of the enemy. Get rid of all the men and then put all the women in a harem. Make them there uh, and use them. The, this king got so evil, the king of Egypt said to his midwives, one of whom was named Sapphira, and the other, Pon, he, he said in verse 16, when you assist the Hebrew women in their childbirth, in other words, we're going to do something favorably, we're going to do something good for you, we're going to help you in childbirth to help you Israelite people deliver your baby a little bit better. And so they appointed that they be helped in childbirth. And, but he told them, he said, the real reason I want you to do this is observe at the delivery. If it's a boy, I want you to kill him. Could you believe there was to be somewhere so demonic in this world? If you're not of the right party, they want to kill you. You go back and study our history and you'll find out there was a lot of abortions happened because you were not the right color because where they allowed the most of the abortion was in black cities. And so they told these midwives, if a boy came along, just tell them that the baby didn't live, kill the baby. But if it's a girl, she may live. But the midwives, they were not of the right party. They were not of God's party. They were working under Pharaoh's rule, but the midwives feared God and they did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Verse 18, then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said, why have you done this and let the boys live? And, and the midwives replied to Pharaoh, now remember how much work and labor these women had been under and these men because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for the Hebrew women are vigorous, they give birth before the midwives even come to them. The struggles of these women had made them strong. They didn't even need a midwife. And though this, this, this demonic plot of Pharaoh couldn't be carried out. So God treated the midwives well and the people multiplied and became exceedingly strong. Verse 21, and because the midwives feared God, he made household, he made a place for a household for them. 
Exodus 1, 15 through 21. You might say when the Egypts failed to work the Israelites to death, they changed their approach, ordering the Hebrew midwives to carry out a partial birth, birth abortion. In other words, if you see it, find it's gonna be a male, kill it. While the process of assisting the Hebrew women to give birth, the midwives would kill the male infants. Eventually, this would leave only female Israelites who would be taken as wives or corcubines by the Egyptians. Had this scheme succeeded, the nation of Israel would be exterminated and the promised seed would be no more. Remember in the book of Genesis, what the devil wanted to get to is that seed that would one day kill him. The promised seed would be no more. The plan did not succeed. However, because the midwives feared God more than Pharaoh. Thus they refused to kill the boys' babies. As a result, God prospered these women and gave them families of their own. One could only wish that healthcare professionals and all would do the same, provide what is needed. The Egyptians were not willing to allow these plans to devise, they devised to, uh, to do what they wanted to do. So Pharaoh commanded all his people. See, Pharaoh, the demonic Pharaoh, he wasn't gonna stop all the sons. He said, all the sons that are born, you must throw them in the river. Now it's not, and not, it's not in the beginning. It's even after they're born, just throw them in the river. Just throw them in the river. This is in verse uh, Exodus 1 and 22. But all daughters you may let live, all the women. And so you remember they were throwing them in the river, but there was a woman that she didn't throw hers in the river. She put it in a little basket and she let it go down the river. And Pharaoh's daughter picked that baby up, said, can we keep him? And Pharaoh goes, well, I guess one won't hurt. Pharaoh's daughter didn't pull one male out of the river that day, she pulled all the males out of the river that day because from that little baby's seed came a savior that saved the world. Folks, if you don't think we're in a spiritual warfare of spiritual wickedness, of demonic levels, they say in any city, city where the NFL game or a major sport is going on, they're pimping out slaves, girls that have been kidnapped, and they're, they're human marketed for prostitution in trailers, in buses, in hotels. It's not just in the city. They've had things broke up all along Highway Interstate 40. I'm telling you, we all get caught up. I'm ashamed of my own self. We all get caught up in this party times. You go, well, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. Well, there's times I would have been proud to be a Democrat and there's times I would have been proud to be a Republican. But I'm telling you right now, what matters to me is I wanna be a child of God and if this says it, I wanna follow it, I don't care who party it is. This has the rule. I'm showing you where at times God's people with the right name, the right association, the chosen people were wrong. I'm showing you times where there were people that were of the wrong party, they were evil of a evil people, but there were some people in that group that was right, like some midwives that said, we ain't doing this crap. We're not doing it. And so you have to ask yourself, are, are you about love? Are you about 
Like I'm telling you, I don't blame some women for feeling the way they are because under a religious title, women have been treated wrong. You got to absolutely be blind to history not to see that is true. And I can understand when women said, I want, I, I want, I'm a person. I'm not uh, lesser than. I have a right to me and my body. But I'm telling you what, when your right supersedes God's right, something's wrong. And I'm not saying that there's not some judgment levels of certain things, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know. But I'm just telling you, we need to be on the side of God because only God's side succeeds. We are only gonna be successful, the nation that humbles itself and prays to God is the only nation that will survive. There's a death sentence on our nation. There is a time that our nation will cease to be. I'm just telling you, it's gonna happen. There, there is coming the day that it's gonna be very much like it was there. There's gonna be a man of sin come. And the people of this world, they're gonna say, I, give me that man of sin don't give me Jesus. Don't give me that religious crap. Don't give me that religious junk. You give me, you give me that man of sin. They're gonna think he's a man of peace. They're gonna think he's gonna, there's gonna be rainbows and unicorns and everybody's gonna be happy and sing, come by y'all. Only to find out they've just joined themselves to the devil. And he said, if it wasn't for God's shortening time, the very elect would be lost. Seducing spirits are gonna be let go. Folks, I, I, I've never been so ashamed of so-called governmental people in my entire life. And what I see right now, I'm seeing one side being dangled and deceived by the devil. Give it a little while and the other side will be doing the same thing. And they have done the same thing. Love people, treat people with respect. We need to confess up. There's a lot of people in our society we have not treated right. We're to love God, love this country, love the Bible. Yes, you're to stand up for your family, defend your family, all those things. But there's a balance. We gotta get to the balance and the balance is the love of God. But we are standing on the very cups of, uh, of, of telling God, God, you gotta choose. You want the blessings or you want the curse. And I'm gonna tell you, God can bless you if you're in God's will. I don't care if the worst government in the entire world takes over. God can still bless you and your family like he did the children of Israel in Egypt's bondage if you have his favor. I'd rather have God's favor than my man at the top of the ticket. But sometimes that goes together. You got God's man at the top of the ticket and you got God's favor at the same time. Those are great times. That's when the windows are open. God does amazing things. But if I have to, cho if I have to choose between my man being at the top of the ticket and the favor of God, I'm gonna choose the favor of God. And so... I'm, 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 I'm hopefully not sharing my opinion, but I'm hopefully sharing God's word today. I love you. 
I know from seeing you on Facebook, we all different and sometimes you're more right than I am. I'll say it. There's many times I've been wrong, but it's not so important as we be right. It's that we keep the favor of Almighty God. Can we bow our heads? There's a lot of demonic stuff going on in the land today. Please don't get caught up in it. Please don't get caught up in it. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for myself. This was not an easy message to deliver today. I would have preferred to tell some jokes and make people laugh and feel good and pat each other on the back when they went out. I'd a whole lot rather do that. But God, you just would not let me escape from this today. We're living in an evil time. God, you're sovereign. You're gonna set up kings and judges and at given times, you're gonna take judges down and kings down because you're in control. God, I wanna be faithful to what you're telling me until you tell me like Abraham, go take a break, go home. I'm gonna let you live a long life. You've done what I've told you to do. God, may I be faithful to your word to the very end. Means more to me than anything in the world. God, I ask it today in Jesus' name.